morning. <coughs> um, like Josh said, I'm a, I'm a student at Cal Baptist University. Uh, I've been a student there for four years. I'm still not graduated, so that's awesome. Uh, I got about a year left, so we're almost there. Um, my wife and I have two beautiful kids, for those of you who don't know, um, Malachi and Emily, and it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun being here. I'm just going to go ahead and start off by reading uh, one of the passages that we're going to be looking at today, and, uh, and then I'll pray, and then we'll get started. Uh, in Proverbs 2, it says this, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek her like silver and search for it like hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and never get back. God, thank you so much for uh, giving us this opportunity to, to share your word. Uh, with your people, Lord, uh, I thank you for the investment that, that Josh has put into me and allowing uh, me to do this. And so, Lord, I just pray that it uh, it wouldn't be for nothing, but Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move uh, and that your presence would fill this place today, and that uh, your word would land in our hearts and take root. So I just ask these things in, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, one of the things that really attracts me to OCC is the fact that uh, it. It really has found its niche in, in reaching out to adults. Um, one of the things in my own experience growing up in the church is that a lot of churches are really good. They put a lot of energy into their children's ministry, and they put a lot of energy into the youth ministry. And it's, it's really in those areas that they invest a lot of time, a lot of energy, really trying to reach uh, younger people uh, with the gospel of Christ. And, and that's great, and, and they do a lot of good, and uh, and I think God really blesses that. But one thing that is unique about OCC is that they've uh, invested their energy into adults. Uh, they try and pour their time. They try and put uh, their focus on people who have lived life uh, outside the church apart from Christ and, and really share with them uh, how great our God is and, and really the good news uh, that they can find in, in Jesus Christ. And so uh, that really attracts me because... Uh, as Josh said earlier, I want to go into ministry and I want to reach adults. You know, I want to see families' lives change because of because of who God is. Now, in my own experience, uh, my parent, well, my dad, uh, he grew up in the church. Uh, my great grandmother uh, drug him to church every Sunday, uh, and so in uh, in like fashion, he drug me to church every Sunday. Uh, and so I just grew up in the church, and and I think. Uh, from about the time I was two, you know, we were going basically every Sunday. Uh, and it's been that way for, for my entire life. Um, and so growing up in the church, there have been, uh, you know, just so much time listening to the to the Word of God. And, and it just became normal to me. The things that are in the Bible, I just accepted as true, you know, fairly easily. Uh, even stories about, you know... Um, like the, the walls of Jericho, if you're familiar with that story, people just walk around in circles and then all of a sudden this huge wall falls down. I mean, that's, I believed it, but, you know, to think of it in natural terms is kind of crazy. But, you know, growing up in church is just something I believed. The Bible became 
uh, just a part of my life. As I got older, um, my faith really became my own. Uh, no longer were my parents just dragging me to church, but I wanted to go to church. I wanted to invest in my walk with Christ. I wanted to, I wanted to dive deep personally, and, and I wanted to know who this God is that, that years ago I decided to commit my life to. And so it's in, it's in that context that I really set my life in a pattern heading towards Christ. You know, I, I, I started off as a kid being pushed along by my parents, but now it's really my own strides that I was taking towards Christ. And, um, and, and really, what, what I want is I want to be a good Christian. That's what I want. I want. I want to do the things that God wants me to do, and I want to avoid the things that He wants me to avoid. Uh, when I die, my goal is, my hope is, that I'll stand before my God and He'll say, well done, good job, come on in. You know, and, and that's what I hope for. And I hope for you guys, too. That's your goal. You know, I hope that at the end of your life, God will say the same thing to you. And, and it's a good goal to strive for. And it's something that I've really set and invested my life into, into going towards. I, I want to live for finishing well. But there's a problem with that goal. And, and if, if reaching that goal is simply to do the things that God wants me to do and avoid the things that He wants me to avoid, then that seems pretty easy but the thing that complicates that goal the most is the fact that life is just messy. It's messy. It's dirty. It's grimy. It gets gross at times. The truth is, you'll see this in your notes, is I want to live life God's way, but life is messy. Like I said, I grew up in the church, so you know one of the, one of the main things is that you know, there is sin in the world, and, and I knew... And I knew in my mind that there was sin, and I knew that it had an effect on people. You know, I grew up. Uh, I grew up hearing warnings against you know living an immoral lifestyle, and, and I heard, you know, I heard that people had addictions. I heard that families, you know, split up because of divorce, and you know, and all these things. But my parents were really, really good at, at sheltering and shutting that messiness out of out of my life. I grew up a really happy kid. I never really experienced a whole lot of heartache. I never experienced this messiness of life. When I came home from school and I closed the door behind me, I closed the messiness of life out with it. You know, that was a safe place. But by the time I, I turned about 16, uh, that messiness just kind of invaded our home. It, it just seeped past that threshold of my front door and it, it became a really real part of my life. Um, when I was 16, well, growing up, uh, I have an older brother. Growing up, my brother and I have been really close. And, and in fact, you know, I would count him as one of my best friends. But uh, when I was 16, he started making some life choices. He started going down a path uh, that was kind of different than our families. And, and so because of that, uh, he and I had a huge falling out. Uh, he ended up getting kicked out of our house for a while. Um, I'm glad to say that, that we've since straightened out a relationship, but, but for the first time, life, the messiness of life started to spill out onto me. Uh, when I was 17, I began to fall in love with my wife. We met her at a camp, started talking, and, uh, you know, and it, it was great, but love is kind of weird. It, it's messy. Uh, when I was 18, we got married. Um, we moved out on our own. We started having to figure out what it is to be responsible, which... I didn't do a great job at. Um, 
and that caused tension. We started fighting. We were butting heads. Uh, we had to pay bills. That was messy. Uh, when I was uh, when I was 19, I was working hard trying to trying to earn money. Uh, money wasn't coming in. Eviction notices started showing up on our front door. When I was 20, uh, my son was born. That's messy. Uh, when I was 21, my parents divorced. When I was 22, uh, my daughter was born on the side of the road in our car. And uh, life began is really, really messy. It's messy. Um, and in the middle of that messiness, and I think you, if you've experienced that, well, not a kid being born in the car, but the messiness of life, if you've experienced that, you find that, that you're really left with, with having to reconcile what you believe about the Bible, what, what the Bible says about God, and, and really the experiences that you're having. You, know, you have to reconcile the fact that, you know, the Bible says God is good, but I can't pay my bills. Or the Bible says that God looks out for, for the ones he loves, and, and yet, you know, life seems to be falling apart at the seams. And it really seems like an, an impossible task at times to, to reconcile. How can we do that? Uh, real quick, I want to take a look at some things that, that the Bible says about the messiness of life. In First Peter 4.12, it says this. This is a guy, he's writing to a church, uh, just trying to encourage them. He says, uh, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. And, you know, I almost don't even have to quote a verse just to say that hardship is a part of life. That's, that's the world we live in. It's, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there, as they say. Um, but, you know, trials just come. They happen to us, and, and we can't avoid it. Uh, James, another pastor, he was talking to another church, and, and he says this. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you what you want. You quarrel and fight, and you do not have because you do not ask God. And and here we see that conflict, as well as trial, is just a part of life. It's something that we experience, and it's something that's painful, and it's something that where other people are hurting us because they want something. Their ambitions get in the way of our relationships. And as I read those verses, I look. I looked around at you guys and I'm like, man, you people are, you got some problems. But then I realized that I have problems. The messiness isn't just out here. Messiness is inside of me as well. Paul, uh, a past, another pastor, he was, uh, he was just being really candid and said this about himself. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me, that it is in my sinful nature. Uh, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For what I do is not the good that I want to do. It's the evil that I don't want to do. That's what I keep on doing. And so we see that messiness is just, it's outside of us, it's inside of us, it's everywhere. And so that's why in order for me, for us to live life God's way, you'll find this in your notes, we need wisdom. I think there comes a time in everyone's life when, when we really just sit down and, and we realize because of the messiness of life, we say, man, I just can't get anything right. And time and time again, we fall into the same old trap. We fall into the same old habits. 
we fall into the same old messed up way of doing life. And, and this is why we're going to be talking about wisdom. This is why uh, today uh, wisdom is what I live for. Uh, Proverbs 4 says this. It says, lay, lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commandments and you'll live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget my words that swerve from them. <clears throat> the first few chapters of Proverbs, for those of you who don't know, uh, they're, uh, they're written as a, basically as a conversation or a letter from a father to his son. And, and the guy who wrote it, his name is Solomon, he's credited as being one of the wisest people to have ever lived. <clears throat> and, and really, he's sitting down with his son because he's concerned for his son's welfare. He's concerned with, uh, for his son's uh, walk with God. He wants his son to remain faithful to, to God. He's concerned about his son's career. He wants his son to be a successful king and leader. And he's also just concerned with his son's you know, general happiness in life, his success, the ability to navigate life well. And so, so today, I think uh, these, these passages are really going to be applicable for us because you know, these are all things that we have to deal with and these are all things that messy, the messiness of life um, deals with. So, uh, But the chief thing, the thing that, that Solomon tells his son, the thing to strive for, the most important thing, it isn't money, it isn't fame or glory or anything like that, but he says it's wisdom. And that begs the question, what is wisdom? I think the Bible defines wisdom as practical insight for everyday life. And what that means is that wisdom, when we, when we have wisdom, when we're operating wisely, it means that we can make good decisions when we take in, and we can take into account both the short-term effects of what we do as well as the long-term consequences of our actions. It doesn't really like enable you to, to tell the future or anything weird like that, but it really shows you patterns of life. You just know, you start to see how life operates and, and you can kind of predict you know, what your actions are going to result in. And in a sense, you could say that having wisdom is much like having a uh, good sense of direction. Um, you know, as I was thinking about this, you know, I sat down and I'm like, you know, I think to have a good sense of direction, I think there's really two things that are involved here. The first is, is basically having like a landmark, you know, something that you can, you can look at and, and use as your point of reference. And, and then the other thing is just knowing your surroundings, understanding the world that you live in. And with those two things, you can you can navigate pretty much anywhere. And and a part of that, you know, I'll, I'll just share this with you guys. I really like to watch survival shows like like Bear Grylls or Survival Man or, or whatever. I like those shows. You know, first I like the faces that these people make when they eat horrible, disgusting things. Um, but also, it could come in handy. You know, I could be driving to church one day and break down on the side of the road, and, and I need to know how to start a fire so I can survive. So, uh, I like watching those shows. Um, but one of the things that they say, and, and this relates with a, a good sense of direction, is that when if you're lost in the wilderness, because um, your car breaks down, and you know you don't know where to go, uh, they say you need to pick a general heading and maybe pick like a mountain range or the North Star or the Sun or something. Pick that and just start walking that way. And, and what that does is that helps you from walking around in circles because it's easy to get disoriented when you don't know where you're at. And then the second thing is, which I thought was really interesting, is that 
They say you should head downhill. Now, my first inclination would be, like, get to the highest point possible so I can see where I'm at. But one of the things they say is head downhill uh, because, as it turns out, um, as physicists tell me, is that water runs downhill. Uh, because of gravity, water runs downhill and, and it collects into streams and streams run to rivers and rivers run to oceans or, or lakes. And one of the things they say is that where there's, where there's water, there's people. Uh, and so with those things in mind, I know that I can basically get anywhere because now I have a good sense of direction. I have an understanding of my environment. Water flows downhill. And where there's water, there's people. And then, you know, I have a general heading. I have a point of reference, a landmark that I can look at. You might say, okay, that's weird. What does that have to do with wisdom? The Bible tells us that wisdom really deals with two things. The first is uh, having a point of reference. And, and our point of reference for our life is God. And the Bible calls this the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is taking into account who God is, the things that he says we ought to do, the things that he says we shouldn't do, and, and when you fear the Lord, you respect that. You take that into account and you set that as a landmark, as a heading, a general course that you're going to go towards. The second thing is understanding the way that life works, knowing your environment. When you, when you know that you probably shouldn't trust a liar, that's just knowing your surroundings. You're not going to believe what he says or, or that you shouldn't get into fistfights with you know, pro boxers or whatever. That's... That's just having a general understanding of how life works, okay? And so those two things together is what the Bible calls wisdom. Having a fear of the Lord and an understanding of how life works. Those things afford us the ability to decide the right course of action in life in any given situation, despite the messiness. You know, life is messy, much like being lost in the woods, but it allows us to navigate through that messiness. It allows us to get where we need to go. So we're going to take a, a look at wisdom and, and what the Bible says about it. Uh, first, uh, the wisdom is an investment. It's something that you have to pour time, energy, money, those things like that. You have to, you have to invest in it. It's something that is developed. The Bible says you invest in wisdom like this. Uh, first, it says uh, you have to search for wisdom. So as a kid, like I said, I, I grew up hearing hearing Bible stories and, and hearing these things that wisdom is important. And so, um, you know, as a kid, I remember just sitting down in my room and praying, God, I know wisdom is important to you and, and I want wisdom. But then I had kind of this weird idea as to how I get it. Um, the picture that comes in my mind, uh, I really like movies, so a lot of my life relates to movie scenes. Um, but the, the picture that comes to mind is, is the scene from the Jungle Book. Uh, where uh, Mowgli's hanging out with Baloo and he starts singing The Bare Necessities. And, and it's really awesome. And I wanted, when I watched that as a kid, I wanted to live in the jungle because it was so easy. You just like walk up to a tree and you like, give it a bump like that. And then fruit just falls down and you can eat it. It's cool. You should try it. Um, and I thought, I thought the hunt for wisdom was like that. You know, I just like walk around the jungle of life and bump the wisdom tree and then wisdom fruit would come down and then I'd have wisdom. But unfortunately, that's, that's not really the picture that the Bible affords us. Um, here's what uh, Proverbs 2 says. It says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments with you, 
turning your ear to wisdom, applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for wisdom and for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The last movie I watched about treasure hunting uh, was not like The Jungle Book. The treasure hunter didn't go to the treasure tree and bump it and a treasure chest falls down. He had to he had to look at a map. He had to do research. He had to read books. He had to go travel far and wide. He had to solve riddles. He had to dig deep into the earth just to find what he was looking for. Essentially, the treasure hunt for wisdom is hard work. You have to put effort into it. You have to strive to get wisdom. Fortunately for us, unlike buried treasure, wisdom wants to be found, right? Um, so that's good news. Uh, take hope. Secondly, the Bible says that uh, you have to pay for wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 says this. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Sounds good, right? But though it costs all you have, that seems a bit extreme, right? I mean, that's a big statement. Wisdom is supreme, and though it costs all you have, get understanding. Yeah, the Bible says it's important, but I mean, come on. Everything? Everything. Everything? It's like Solomon was sitting down with his son, and I don't know. I, my son's not old enough for me to like try and scare him a whole bunch, but... I don't know if, if you're a parent and you tried to really just like do the shock factor, you know, for your kids. I think my parents did that to me uh, when I was a kid. But, you know, they just said something that was like way over-exaggerated just to kind of like, oh, man, I should probably do what they say. Um, I feel like this is what Solomon's doing. But, but then again, you know, what comes to, into my mind is what if wisdom really is that valuable? What if, what if everything that we own doesn't match up to the value of wisdom? And then I realized that, you know, we spend our resources on, on things that we value. You know, I, I value education, so I'm paying money to a college so that I can get education. I, I value um, work, so I spend money to put gas in my car so I can drive to work. I, I value things. I value eating, so I go out and buy food, you know. And so I spend my resources on things that, that I value. But to spend it on wisdom, how do, we, how do we spend our resources on wisdom? And I think the two things that we, we're going to spend most on wisdom is, is time and money. Your precious time and your hard-earned money, we're gonna, I'm going to have to pour that into wisdom somehow. But what does that look like? Uh, for me, because I believe that, that God has called me to plant a church one day, I know I need training. Uh, I don't right now possess all the tools that I need to start something from the ground up. I don't know everything that I need to know just to just even start down that road. And so, so I'm investing my money in, into training. I'm going to school for this. But I'm not just doing it arbitrarily because I have a family. I have kids. I have to provide for them. And so the... The areas where I, I put my time and the areas I put my money are important because I don't have a whole lot of it. And so, so you know, for me to pay money for that, it shows that it has value for me. 
But then, apart from the money that I pour into it, there, there's a there's a time investment that I put into it. And and you know, I don't I don't mind paying a whole lot of money for uh, for things. I mean, you know, that's what money's there for. But but to to spend my time on something that's that kind of hurts. I mean, that that's an investment that really uh, really affects me. Um, one of the ways that that it worked out was like this. When when I started school, uh, I had uh, I had it all planned out. It was a good plan. It was nice. I was going to go to school for four years. I was going to get my bachelor's degree, and then I was going to go to uh, to seminary to get my master's degree. Maybe travel the world for a year, and then I'd be passing the church by the time I'm 25. It's an awesome plan. However, life is messy, and that plan slowed down a little bit. But but apart from just the messiness of life, there's something that I've learned along the way, and, and especially coming to OCC, something that Josh has said to me that, that I had to take seriously was that your 20s are for training. And the idea is that when, when you're in your 20s, when you have the most amount of time, the least amount of responsibility, and while you're still developing habits in life, while you're still forming opinions about how life works, you should really invest your time and energy into, into learning how to do your craft, how to do your trade, how to do ministry, so that by the time you're 30, you're skilled in, in the trade that you, you decide to do. For me, that's going to be ministry. You know, for others, it's, it's other things, but really to, to invest my time and energy into that is important. That way, when I am a pastor, you know, I do have life experience. I have credibility. And that'll really go a long way. So, so I had a decision to make. I could either say, "Well, Josh, that's nice and all, but I'm on the fast track and just push forward," or I could do what I did, uh, and, I, and I took myself off the fast track. I put myself on the bunny slope, and it's not as fun or exciting at times, but I think it's gonna uh, lead to less pain in the long run, really. Now, for you, uh, many of you are not 20. Uh, you're not even 30. Um, so how does this apply to your life? And, and one of the ways, one of the takeaways is really that when you start out to do something, learn how to do it well first. Uh, <laughs> when, I, when I was learning how to drive a stick shift, uh, my brother took me out for like 15 minutes in his car, and I kind of learned just the mechanics of driving a stick shift. And... Uh, and it was cool. It was awesome. And then a couple months later, I was at work, and uh, they they needed somebody to, to run to our, our office and pick up something. And the only truck that was available was a stick shift. And, and so my foreman came up to me and was like, hey, do you, wanna, do you know how to drive stick shift? And I was like, sure, I know how to drive stick shift. And, uh, and so I hopped in the truck and forgot to take the parking brake off and I'm in reverse and like not doing well. It's a bad start. But finally I get it going and, and I drive to the office with like 15 minutes of experience under my belt. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Uh, probably one of the worst days of my driving life. And, and what happened was I tried to do something before I knew how to do it. Uh, for us, it's, it's the same way. When we set out to do something, we should really get the training that's necessary before we do it. So... Uh, so for me, I'm 20, so I'm going to stick with 20s there for training. And as I go on, I'm, I'm still going to try and invest time and energy into gaining this wisdom. Uh, 
wisdom is also a guide to life. This is really where its value comes through. Uh, because of the messiness of life, as, as I'm walking with God, it becomes cloudy. It becomes hard to see where I'm going. It's, uh, like I said a few minutes ago, uh, as young as I am, I have experienced the messiness of life. And at each point, I've, I've come to the messiness of life, and it's, you know, it's, it's been hard, it's been difficult. And I was faced with the decision to either press forward and trust that God has my back, or just drop out because it's easier. And I think all of us have that option. We all have, when the messiness of life comes in, we all, we all have that option to press forward or drop out. Do we believe what the Bible has to say about God? Or do we just admit that maybe life doesn't work the way that he says it does? But every time I come to that decision, it seems that wisdom uh, is there reminding me of how good God really is. Uh, Proverbs uh, 2, 6-11 says this. It says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk, whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair in every good path. You see, sometimes as I'm walking with God and the messiness of life comes in, I forget what's right. I forget what's fair. I forget what's just. And, and yet wisdom is there. And the Bible says, you know, she's, she's a woman who stands out in the corners calling out for us. She's there reminding us of the right way to go. And so this is incredibly comforting for me, especially when I'm in the messiness of life, just to know that, that wisdom is there reminding me that God has my back. I'm not alone on this. He's not just dragging me through the mud for the fun of it. It's, it's comforting because I think wisdom guides us in two areas. Uh, it, it helps us avoid pain and ensure pleasure. Uh, here's, here's one of the ways it helps us. Wisdom warns us of pitfalls and missteps. It's in your notes. Uh, wisdom gives us a long-distance perspective on life. Uh, it's kind of like the aerial view. Uh, and, and it allows us to see uh, what life is really like. And, and it's kind of funny because the things that the Bible say will only afford us pain in the long run are actually quite fun in the short term. And the things that the Bible says will afford the most lasting and enduring pleasure are really hard in the short run. It's hard to pick up our cross and follow Christ and deny ourselves. But in the end, it means eternal life. It's really fun to go out and party and you know just throw off your responsibilities, but in the end, it only leads to poverty. So the Bible has this kind of upside-down way of looking at things. But nonetheless, here's, here's how uh, wisdom describes, or how the Bible describes the warning of wisdom. It says, Wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. That is, if you search for wisdom, it will come into your heart. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. So automatically, the job of wisdom is, is to protect us. Uh, a little bit further down in, in chapter 2, it says, uh, wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men. And a little further, it says wisdom will also uh, save you from the adulterous woman. There's things in our life that vie for our love. You know, we've, as Christians, if you're a Christian and decide to follow Christ, we've, we've said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my love in God. I'm going to love God. But then there's, 
And there's these things, the messiness of life calls us to love other things more. But wisdom is there to remind us that, that God is worth loving most than anything else. And, and so she really stands there as a reminder and, and helps us avoid these pitfalls. What you're about to do is not a good idea, she says to us. Finally, uh, wisdom not only helps us avoid bad things, but it, it ensures that we can do uh, life God's way. The Bible says, uh, Thus you will walk in the ways of good and keep the paths of righteous. <clears throat> I want to tell you that life really does work the way that God says it does. And when we value wisdom, when we seek for it, when we make it a part of our own life, we can do the things that He wants us to do. We can avoid the things that He wants us to avoid. And we can be good Christians. We can finish well, which is really my ultimate goal. I want to do that, and so wisdom helps me get there. I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship band to come back up, as well as the ushers to receive this morning's offerings. Now, you might be asking, this is all well and good. This is, you know, good information, but what now? What do I do when I walk out the door? And if you'll, if you'll look at your connection card, there's, there's three things that um, I've written down there for you. First, you know, we need to buy up opportunities to get wisdom. Invest your time and money into wisdom. It's worth it, I promise you. If, if that means uh, spending money uh, for a wisdom conference so that you can go and, and just absorb this wisdom, do it. It's worth the money. If it means sitting down in the morning and, and reading a chapter from the book of Proverbs every morning, do it. It's worth it. If it means joining a life group or, or anything like that, do it. It's worth the investment. Uh, another thing you can do, uh, because the book of Proverbs is written from a father to a son, it's, it's just one person passing down good information to another, we can do the same. We can go and we can ask people with more life experience than we, than we have, and we can just learn about life from them. Good people to talk to would be, would be Josh or Bruce. You know, they make a habit of doing this. They make a habit of seeking wise counsel so that they can offer wise counsel. If they're too busy, maybe look for someone with gray hair. I'm sure they'd be happy to share their life experience with you. Finally, you know, just ask God for wisdom. The Bible says it comes from the mouth of God. He's the one who, who stores it up. He's the one who holds it. And he's the one who gives it to us. Don't underestimate the power of prayer on this one. I'm going to pray for this morning's offering. And then... God, thank you so much for uh, the wisdom that you give us. Even though we, we don't really deserve it, uh, Lord, you weren't content with just letting us try and figure it out on our own. So thank you uh, for passing wisdom along to us. And God, I just ask that uh, you would bless uh, those who are about to give this morning, uh, Lord, for investing their money into something that's well worth it. So I pray these things for Sunday. Amen. Thanks, Aaron. The, the whole category that Aaron's talking about this morning is different from the category of, of receiving eternal life. We receive eternal life. It's, it's a gift. We don't do anything to earn it. We don't work for it. We don't have to behave a certain way to get eternal life. It's a gift God has offered because of His love for us. He's shown us grace, undeserved favor. In fact, 
We run in the other direction. God poured out His love on us, making it possible for us to come to know Him through the sacrifice of Jesus. And so that, that's a gift. That whole category is, is separate from what Aaron's been sharing about this morning. Um, again, you don't have to um, set out to love God. We, none of us were loving God when He initiated His love towards us in Jesus' sacrifice. He loved us first. We respond to His love. When it comes to the category of wisdom, we actually have to learn to love wisdom. We have to be lovers of wisdom. We have to be loving to be teachable. We have to be those who love to get advice. If we fail to love wisdom, uh, she won't love us back, the scripture says. Wisdom actually says, I love those who love me. Uh, God is gracious. Wisdom is not gracious. Wisdom is brutal if we fail to reject her. If we, if we run in a different direction, she's brutal. We'll pay a real price. So what Aaron's sharing this morning, very, very critical to pursue wisdom with our lives. It's just so important. And so I want to encourage you. And just really, um, I agree with what Aaron is sharing as far as the high cost of pursuing wisdom. It's well worth it. And the idea of training in your 20s, for those of you that are in your 20s, the reason why that's so important is because my, my mentor shared that with me when I was in my early 20s, which was slow down, slow down. Don't get on the fast track or get off the fast track. The reason is because rising stars in their 20s are typically falling stars in their 30s and 40s. And so there's something to be said about just proving faithful over time, training over time. So I'm encouraged by Aaron just slowing down off the fast track. And God's really been doing a lot. I've been encouraged by watching him just provide for his family, work hard, do the things in his 20s that are really critical to establish a foundation the future. So as we receive this morning's offering, the usher's going to come forward right now. As they do, um, drop that connection card in the basket. And um, for those of you who give faithfully, thank you so much for the way that you, you give. That really um, is how everything that